Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. My name is Mitch Glazer, and what a joy it is to be with you today to share some of our thoughts about the Word of God. We've been focusing on the portion, and the portion is a devotional book that we've put together that you can download, and we'll tell you how a little later in the program, but it's basically focusing our attention on the five books of Moses, which Jewish people call the Torah, these fundamental building blocks of our faith. And of course, for all of us, especially those of us who know Jesus as the Messiah, we get to read the Bible that Jesus read, (laughs) the Old Testament. And so our faith is not just built on the New Testament, it's certainly built on the Old. And so sometimes we don't get to hear a lot about the five books of Moses. And so we hope that you'll be blessed today as we begin at Deuteronomy chapter 6. With me today is my friend and colleague, Bobby Walter, who leads the work of Chosen People Ministries in Brooklyn, New York. So welcome, Bobby. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Shalom to you and shalom to all of our listeners. We're uh, just so grateful that you're joining us. And uh, I'm really excited about this, Mitch, because we're going to be talking about arguably the most famous verse in the Jewish world. Yes. And that is Deuteronomy 6.4, which is also known as the Shema. The reason it's famous and so well-known is because it's a, it's a very meaty verse. There's a lot of depth and meaning and, and significance in the passage. But another way that it really gained a lot of fame is because it's part of the prayers in the Jewish world. Uh, so, Mitch, you grew up praying the Shema every day. Is that right? Well, I can't tell you I was that religious, Bobby, but I was supposed to pray it every day. But certainly every Shabbat service, Sabbath service. And, you know, in Jewish culture, it also became a rallying cry. Mm. It was a loyalty test. And uh, this is the one where if you get a bunch of Jewish people together and they need to do something, they'll either sing a couple of different fight songs or Hine Matov, Mm -hmm. which is uh, behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, Psalm 133, verse 1. Or they'd sing a song about uh, King David, the King of Israel, David Melech Yisrael, Chai Chai V'chayom, David, King of Israel, lives. And that's really a great song. But really spiritually and in general, what really binds Jewish people together is this one verse. It's Mm. just so meaningful. So may I chant it or sing it? Yeah, 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 okay, here we go. All right, everybody. Shema means uh, hear or listen. So listen. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Bobby, the translation? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Boy, I'll tell you, that's a rallying cry for Jewish people because this gained considerable importance, particularly in the early to late Middle Ages. Mm. when the Jewish people felt very threatened by the encroachment of a very institutional medieval type of Christianity. And that was very threatening towards the Jewish people. And uh, this is the prayer that Jewish martyrs would say when they were forced to convert 
uh, during the Crusades or at other points, before they fell on their sword or, or they got the sword, or when terrible things happened to the Jewish people from alleged Christians, they would cry out, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad. If we have time before we know we're going to die, we say, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad. Hmm. It is a, a rallying cry, but it's also a, in some ways, it's an anti or non-Trinitarian creedal statement. Jewish people do not have a lot of creedal statements. Right. In the church, we have the apostolic, Nicene, various other creeds. But Jewish people really do not have a creedal statement. The 13 articles of faith penned by Maimonides in the latter part of the Middle Ages was really something that uh, became sort of a creedal statement. But the fundamental creedal statement that every Jewish person, no matter who they are, even if they never had a bar mitzvah like me, mm -hmm. they know Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elheinu, Adonai Achad. But oftentimes Jewish people can say the words and chant the prayer and sing it like I did, but they may not totally understand what it says, and they may not totally understand the true meaning of Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, which actually is stated in Deuteronomy 6.4 and also in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. Right. Now, Mitch, I have a quick question, though, for you, yeah, because you ahead. made a statement there that has got me thinking. You said that it's a, a traditional anti-Trinitarian creedal statement in it the is. Jewish world. But, but remember, Bobby, sorry to interrupt, it's not a response to Jesus, necessarily. It's not a response to authentic or true Christianity. It's a response, a national response, and a personal response, even, to the threatening nature of the type of Christianity that Jewish people were presented with in the early and late Middle Ages, which was a very threatening and sometimes life-taking type of Christianity. Mm. And so it's not that Jewish people know about the Trinity or they have studied the, the nature of God as triune. It's really this threatening nature of a real distorted kind of Christianity that harm the Jewish people, that provoke the Jewish people to declare mm. this creedal statement. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense. You know. But I think it's also significant and important for us to point out that the Shema really is. It reveals some great deep truths about the nature of God. And you know, I, I don't think we're saying that the text itself is anti-Trinitarian or it doesn't reveal the the nature of God because we see Jesus quote the Shema. You know, even in, right. in Mark 12, 28, uh, one of the scribes come and approaches Jesus and he asks him which commandment is the most important of all. He replies with the Shema. He says, this is the most important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment right. is greater than these. So how can we sort of wrap our minds around what's going on in the Shema when it comes to the nature of God. There's a, a big debate about the word for one used in the Shema and used in other places. The Hebrew word is echad, and echad is often used as a composite unity. In Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image. And so you can see that in Jewish tradition, the us refers to the angels, 
But I believe it's an internal conversation between the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let us make man in our image and in the image of God, a man he was made. And so the Old Testament actually never took an anti-quote-unquote Trinitarian position. Uh, So there's a lot of room for God being a composite unity, Mm -hmm. three persons, yet one God. Uh, All three persons exist at the same time, co-eternal, co-essential, and co-existent. And so all three are God all at the same time. And so Jewish people sometimes believe that Christians actually have faith in three gods. Right. There's right. just a tremendous misunderstanding of the triune nature of God. Right. But, you know, again, like going back to the word for one that you mentioned there, it's echad. And it points to the, like you said, a composite unity of one. And it's distinct from another word in the Hebrew that's used for one, which is achat. So achat means like one singular individual unit, right? Uh, so an example of the difference between achat for one versus echad for, you know, a complex unity of one is uh, like, it's the same word that's used with uh, Joshua and Caleb when they're bringing the the huge cluster of these big grapes back from the promised land after they go and reconnoitre the land. And this big cluster, this one cluster made up of many individual grapes, the word that's used for that cluster is echad. It is a composite unity of one. And apparently what's happening in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 in the Shema talking about the nature of God, this is the way that we're supposed to view him. He is this composite unity of one. He is one God. And ultimately, throughout the rest of Scripture, we learn more about the nature of God as he reveals himself more and more through the Son, through the Father, through the Spirit. And we learn that he is actually a triune God, three persons, but one God. And it does speak to the preeminence of God. So the Lord is one. It's not, it's not a reflection, actually, on his composite unity or on his singularity. It's actually a comment on the importance of God. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. But Jewish people keep quoting it as evidence of the fact that there could not possibly be a trinity. So I I remember once I was sharing the gospel at a book table on the Brooklyn College campus, and I was sitting next to an ultra-religious or Hasidic rabbi, and uh, we were both trying to convert each other all day, you Mm -hmm. know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he, he was working on me. I was working on him. Right. And it was Friday, so it got late. It was Shabbat, and I had to get home for a Sabbath meal and a Bible study, and he, of course, had to get home before dark uh, on the Sabbath. And we were probably—this uh, was like six hours of conversation, so we were very frustrated with each other. And uh, finally, he just looked at me, and he said, Look, Mitch, you Christians make God so complicated. <laughs> You know, you've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, three, four. I mean, who knows what you're trying to do here? But you make God so complex. So I looked at him and I said, Avi, if God is just singular and one, you're telling me that God is not complex? Hmm. And he smiled and he says, well, you know, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) And so whether three and one or singular— We're talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who's above all and over all, who created the heavens and the earth. His character is so magnificent. And when we 
covered Exodus 33 and 34, where the character of God was revealed to Moses when he hid in the cleft of a rock, gracious, compassionate, uh, just, merciful, loving. I mean, how could you possibly say that the God of the universe is not complex? So whether three in one or singular, God is always complex. But we need to speak the truth. And even though three and one is difficult to understand, on the other hand, if that's what the Bible says, then that's why I believe it. When I discovered through reading the New Testament that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was God in the flesh, my whole view of the nature of God was transformed. I was 19, six years away from my bar mitzvah at age 13, having been raised in a more orthodox Jewish tradition. It was a radical transformation, but it only took a nanosecond, Bobby, Hmm. because once I understood that Jesus was God, I then realized that my understanding of the nature of God was faulty. And I love my people. I really do. But when we say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Elheinu Adonai Echad, and we think of Echad as a singular unity, then that is sincerely being misinformed by Jewish tradition and Jewish culture. And I pray and hope that my Jewish people will understand that it is not antithetical to being a good Jew or being Jewish to believe that God is a triune God. Fall marks the beginning of the Jewish Civil New Year. And it also marks the start of the final three biblical festivals that God appointed in the book of Leviticus. As believers in Jesus, the Messiah, we have the freedom to celebrate these holidays alongside our Jewish friends and family. And celebrating these high holidays is a great way to draw attention to Jesus' first coming and to his return. So grab some apples, honey, and a copy of our free book, Celebrating Israel's High Holidays, and share the love and life-changing message of Messiah with someone today. The book is yours when you go online to chosenpeople.com radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or ask for the book Celebrating Israel's High Holidays when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That's 888-293-7482. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now, we're going to hear from Mitch Foreman, who, as a young man, he was a rising star in a famous San Francisco restaurant. And Mitch loved being a chef as much as he loved to party until the day his questionable decisions caught up with him. I was able to have the privilege of discipling Mitch as a a young believer. And then he went into the ministry, which, of course, was both good and bad. Good because he's wonderful to serve the Lord with, bad because... I used to get a lot of free, really great meals, you know. (laughs) But I think you're going to really appreciate the depth of soul that Mitch Foreman brings. And he really loves the Lord. And I know you're going to enjoy his testimony. And uh, if you go to ifoundshalom.com, you can find his testimony, clip the URL, and send it to your favorite chef. I'm at the top of my profession. Chefs from all over the world were coming to our restaurant. Boom, I get fired and now I'm at the bottom. Well, I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. The mix of my neighborhood was 50% Jewish and 50% Catholic. I went to synagogue. I celebrated all the Jewish holidays. We're in Hebrew and I did my bar mitzvah. We were told you cannot read the New Testament. If you believed in Jesus, you were Christian. 
And I remember opening up to the book of Matthew and reading the first verse and just literally being blown away. The book was really more about Jewish people than about Gentiles. I had moved out to San Francisco and was working at a restaurant called Stars. We were doing things that nobody else were doing, probably the most creative kitchen in the world. People were coming to this restaurant seeing like, wow, what's going on here? I was going to be a chef. We went out and we partied and we would close down bars at 2 o'clock and then we'd go over to somebody's house and drink until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and do drugs. So after a heavy night of partying, I wake up, I'm hungover, I'm tired, I go to work and I see somebody else at the station that I was supposed to work, work in. Uh-oh, something's not right here. And I just remember feeling like in the pit of my stomach that I really, really blew it. We're going to demote you to being a prep cook. I just lost my skill set. So he says, you're actually firing me, aren't you? And I, he said, yes. And one day when I got fired, my world came crashing down because my life was where I was working and what I was doing. So I started to drink more and I started to do more drugs and I started to what I call go down the spiral of just devastation. And I just woke up every morning for months just thinking, my life is a waste. And I blew it, and I didn't know how to, how to get out of it. At 3 o'clock in the morning, and I come home, I stumble home after a night of drinking. My bed's spinning, and the ceiling's spinning, and I'm getting nauseous. And I'm just thinking, wow, look at my life. That night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I said, Lord, I don't care what I have to do. I just need you in my life. I didn't know what that meant, I just knew that I needed to just change. There was this one day that I remember standing in the kitchen and the people in that restaurant were picking on this Korean girl. She was reading her Bible in the lunchroom. I thought that what I should do is befriend her. I was jealous of what she had. You know, she wasn't drinking, she wasn't partying. She represented something that I believe God said you need. So one day as we're talking, she asked me a question that forever has changed my life. She said, why don't Jewish people believe that Jesus is their Messiah? And I said, because we're Jews. Jesus is for you guys, he's not for us, and ended the conversation. And she came back and said, but he's in your Bible. And I just remember standing there thinking, in my Bible. I didn't even really know my Bible. So I felt kind of strange delving into a subject that I felt very ill-equipped, but kind of embarrassed that as a Jew, she seemed to know the Old Testament much better than me. So it, it put me in a very awkward position, so I just said, I don't want to talk about this anymore. The answers that I needed in my life were centered around Jesus, and I wasn't going to get that from a rabbi, so I looked for a church to go to. I sat in the back, and afterwards I went to the pastor, and I said, I'm Jewish, and I want to know more about Jesus. He invited me to his office. He gave me a Bible. We studied the Bible, and he was the first person to really, really lay out what the gospel was. And I remember opening up my Bible to Isaiah 53 and reading it for the first time. And almost like the first time I read the New Testament, I was shocked. There it was in vivid color, the depiction of what Jesus did and in his life, I'm reading it 600 years before Jesus even came to 
into this world. So now I have a relationship with Jesus and I'm still a professional chef. I do not do drugs. I do not drink. I found my Messiah. That's where my contentment came. That's where my peace came. Jesus completely did it. Our Watchmen for Jerusalem program is made up of dedicated monthly givers who are committed to sharing the gospel with Jewish people everywhere. And we'd love for you to join with hundreds of other listeners who love Israel and the Jewish people. It's because of your faithful support that Jewish people around the world continue to hear the life-changing message of Messiah. And when you give a generous monthly gift, we'll send you a photo book titled, Israel, The Land and the People. This beautiful coffee table book will serve as a reminder of your work in spreading Jesus' love and light to those who need to hear it the most. Learn more about this unique program or sign up to become a Watchman for Jerusalem online at chosenpeople.com radio. Once again, that's chosenpeople.com radio. Or ask how you can partner with us monthly when you call 888-293-7482. Thanks so much. We look forward to hearing from you soon. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And we want to thank you so much for joining us today. We have much more to talk about in the book of Deuteronomy, so please plan on joining us again next week to learn more about why man cannot live by bread alone. And then, if you'd like to listen to any of the programs that you've missed, you can catch up online at chosenpeople.com radio. On our website, we also have a variety of resources and study materials to help you go further in your walk. And we even have a free gift that we'd like to send to you just for reaching out. Absolutely, Bobby. The fall feasts are right around the corner. And if you'd like to know more about how you can celebrate Israel's high holidays in the name of Christ, then be sure to request our latest booklet. Understanding Israel and the Jewish people is pivotal for understanding God's plan for salvation. And when you learn more about the great festivals of Israel, you'll gain a better understanding of who Jesus the Messiah really is. You'll see how his uh, life, his death, and his resurrection are fulfilled through these holy days. The booklet is titled, Celebrating Israel's High Holidays. We will send it to you free of charge when you connect with us today at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And then before we close today, I'd like to remind all of our faithful ministry partners that we're deeply grateful for you. Chosen People Ministries would not exist without your support and your prayers. So please help us continue our 128-year mission in reaching God's chosen people uh, with the gospel by connecting with us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Or you can write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. You can also let us know that you're listening and praying by calling us at 888-293-7482. Hey, Bobby, can I just interrupt? Of course. (laughs) Um, It took us a lot of effort to get this phone number. So it's 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A, the Hebrew name for Jesus. So if you want to speak to chosen people and get these valuable resources, just pick up the phone. It's 888, the number two, Yeshua, Y-E-S-H-U-A. Got it. Thank you, Mitch. And when you connect with us today, please be sure to ask for your free booklet titled Celebrating Israel's High Holidays. And now let's wrap up today's program with the ironic benediction.
Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er panavelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.